Hey, welcome back to Talking Mindset with Murph. This is part two of a three-part conversation with Southwest Airlines Chief Information Security Officer, Michael Simmons. Let's jump right in. DMAC, what, uh, what other areas yeah. do we want to drill down on here? Yeah, well, well, something that I've heard, you know, Michael, you say a lot is, you know, understand the why behind stuff. And, you know, you got to, uh, whether it's the customer or whether it's uh, people within your own organization. And, 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 and I really think about the spirit of humility, Right. And what that and how that leads to asking those questions or leads to uh, understanding that you need to clarify those types of things for the people that you're serving. And um, with that being said, when I was on, you know, our, our call together with the, the, the EBR with, you know, Rada was leading that. And, mm-hmm. and one thing that came up that was really cool that I want to point out, uh, just being a part of that call and again, just being a fly on the wall and, and just observing was every time two people like you and someone else would try to speak at the same time. Like in a zoom call, this happens frequently or, you know, wherever we're at Microsoft teams, every time you would say, no, 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 please. You, you go ahead. No. And and then if they would fight back, you say, no, I want to hear what you have to say. And I really, and I picked up on that about an hour into the call. I thought, wow, every time Michael always steps back and always pushes that person forward. And I thought it was really cool. And then I was like, you know what, this is going to be cool because I'm going to bring this up when we talk about it. And then I started hoping like, well, I hope he doesn't ruin it in this last hour you know, because, <laughs> and you didn't. And so, so that was good. But my point being is the impact of humility on leadership and customer service. Just can you talk more about that again? And I, I understand the paradox or the irony of like, hey, tell us about, you know, the uh, how great humility is. It, it kind of feels weird talking about that. So uh, rather talk about um, how humility impacts customer service. Uh, customer service and leadership, if you could. Yeah, no, great question. And, and thank you for that feedback. I'm, I'm glad to hear that I'm consistent. You know, consistency is the key. Um, and if I'm not, I want to hear that feedback. We all reserve the right to get better. So um, in regard to humility, you know, I, I feel one, you got to constantly remind yourself what you're there for, you know, um, and one, I, I don't think leadership is a title. Um, titles naturally come with it at times, but everyone at some point in their life, career, whatever it may be, steps up and has to lead. Um, but in that regard, whether you're a leader or not a leader or what have you, right, you got to understand what are you there for ultimately? Um, I know that we're here to secure the organization, to protect our employees, our, our shareholders, our customers to the best of our ability. Uh, I know as a leader, I'm there to take care of our people. Um, give them the best, uh, engage, most engaging environment they have to be their best selves. Uh, I'm also there to take care of our customers. So you've got to remind yourself constantly what you're there for. Um, so to your point of, you know, when people speak up um, and, and, and have a chance to talk, you know, I want to hear what they have to say. Um, you know, I've been part of two great organizations um, that are very people focused and one of the, you know, isms that I've heard, I know Brian's got isms and one of the isms <laughs> I've heard that I really resonate with is your customers will never have a better experience than what you as a leader create for your employees. So if I'm creating a horrible experience for our employees, I'll tell you right now what our customers are going to experience. And if I'm creating a fantastic experience for our employees, I anticipate the odds are pretty good. Our customers are going to be well taken care of as well. And if you've ever read anything or heard Herb Kelleher, our founder of Southwest Airlines talk about, He always said, our people come first. If we take care of them, our customers will naturally follow. Um, So as a leader, when it comes to humility, you just, I believe wholeheartedly, you got to recognize what kind of environment are you creating for your people? 
Um, there's one, you know, at this point uh, of uh, individuals' careers, when they typically join Southwest, they're adults and they're pretty set in their ways. I, I learned quickly, rarely will I ever be able to change someone. Um, but what I try to look at is what, what can I control? What levers are within my bounds of control that I can uh, manipulate to create the best environment for people to be the best, their best selves? I think humility is one of those. It's understanding like you're here to serve them. You're here to help enable them to be as best as they can be. You're here to listen. So I, I really look at how can I manipulate the environment in a positive way to make it as engaging as possible? You know, the, the, the partners we work with, the employees that show up every day, the reality is they often spend more time with us than their own families. We better make it a pretty darn good place to hang out at so that when they wake up every day, uh, they want to come be a part of that and, and they're engaged. So the levers I can move is how do I treat people? Do they have a chance to have a voice? Do they feel like they've been listened to, even if it's not the answer they wanted to hear? And they get a chance to understand why it's not the answer they wanted to hear. Uh, do they feel like they can offer feedback? Do they have the tools to do their job? Are they being invested in? Are they developed? Um, are they told the whys? These are all levers within my control as a leader, and I'm by no means perfect. I get feedback all the time on where I can improve, but also you've got to go solicit and ask for that feedback too. You see more through others' feedback, um, and you just try to just stay in the pocket of treating people right. At Southwest Airlines, we're, we're big believers in the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. Um, and the more you try to strive for that, the more integrating your DNA and the more natural it becomes. And just like breathing, you stop thinking about it so much and it just happens naturally. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Thank, thanks for sharing that. And uh, you, you mentioned an ism there. And, and one thing that, you know, we've been doing these podcasts for six, seven weeks now, I think we're at. And, and our last ism that we talked about was afraid to lose, can't win. Okay. And, and we really dove in on that. And and with that same idea, just curious how how you've used that in your life. You know, afraid to lose, can't win. You know, and you you glazed over real quickly the the, the uh, selling tickets at at Excalibur and slinging pizzas at Domino's, which is uh, I think one of the best starting points for a, a current CISO. By the way, side note. Um, but uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit. Afraid to lose, can't win. But can you talk about it a little bit in your life and and even at Southwest, if you could? Sure, absolutely. You know, I. I, I in that regard, so the way you phrase it, other ways I've heard it through my career is like, are you playing to win or playing to lose? Yeah. Which puts you more in an offensive, take action, accountable position uh, where you're going to kind of do everything you can to control your own fate, or you're going to wait and see and make and watch it happen to you. Um, so I've been at two great organizations that very much play to win mode, uh, more offensive positions, opportunistic. I've I wish I could remember uh, a, a mentee that I had that, you know, I love mentoring individuals because it's a two-way learning street. And um, she was sharing with me this story. And I, I wish I could remember the name of the book. I know it's in my Kindle list. It's a long list of books to get to. Uh, but she talked about the difference between like sharks and regular fish. You know, sharks go out and feed themselves. Fish wait to be fed. You know, and it's kind of this attitude like you got to know when you need to be a shark and you got to know when you need to be a fish. Um, but in that regard, you know, at Southwest Airlines, we, we've definitely moved into that position. Um we are by no means unique. Uh, every industry has been hit hard. ReliQuest has been a great partner to us in the airline industry as we've been navigating a, a substantial and significant long-term impact to our industry. Um, but you've probably read a lot of the news about airlines retreating, slimming down. We've even become a smaller airline. We've reduced our workforce um, when uh, team members opted into it. This was a, a, an opt-in uh, way to reduce our workforce, but we're a third smaller airline now. 
Um, wow. But even though we're a third smaller airline, we're actually opening up and moving into new cities. Um, so we've been clear from the very beginning, and this has been championed by Gary Kelly, our CEO, and all of our senior executives, that we're going to preserve cash, protect our financial uh, sheet to the best of our ability, minima- minimize the damage. We're going to get out of the other side of this, the healthiest airline possible. I mean, we're going to take some hits, but be healthier than the rest. But we're also going to take advantage while others are retreating. We're going to move into markets and offer the Southwest brand to more and more customers. It's all about winning customer share and wanting uh, uh, getting customers to want to choose to fly us. So we've very much been that play to win versus play to lose. We have not been in a defensive posture uh, as we try to uh, battle through these challenges. And we've often been known as a maverick of the industry. And it's just another uh, feather in the cap of our, our maverick uh, mindset and lineage of uh, this is a time to press on uh, versus retreat. Um, but bringing that back from a personal journey standpoint, um, you know, it's, it's, I would say that I've always tried to identify where I want to go and why and how do I make that happen? You know, I, I, I learned a hard lesson um, about 10 years into my IT role at Brinker International, 2008, 2009, uh, we faced an economic recession like everybody due to the housing market and people were not going to casual dining restaurants. And it was the first time in my professional career I was ever at a company that faced layoffs. And my mindset before then uh, was, you know, if I show up every day, do my job to the best of the ability, my, my, my leader will take note of that. His or her leader will take note of that. His or her leader will take note of that. And I built this um, credibility structure in a very uh, vertical way, just up and down. Well, overnight, everybody in my leadership chain was gone uh, because of layoffs. And so here I am, you know, at this point, I've been 10 years in IT uh, four years in operations, you know, 15 years of my journey, roughly. And I've got all new leaders at Brinker. And I'm like sitting here, like I have to hit reset on building credibility and trust and relationships. And it was an eye-opening moment for me that I was too focused vertically and I wasn't diversifying and, and, and focusing horizontally as well. So it was around that time I had a wake-up call that, you know, if you want to control your own fate and drive your own agenda on what's important to you, if you're not telling people then you're not on their mental checklist and you got to find organic ways to do it. I'm not recommending you just knock on any random person's door and go, Hey, I'm Michael. Nice to meet you. Here's what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, But I really (laughs) thought, you know, if, if I want opportunities, what can I do to try to manipulate the dice roll in my favor? And I felt one way was relationship building, networking. You got to get out there organically, find ways to meet other leaders in the organization, talk to them, learn from them. It needs to be more about them, uh, learn about them, what makes them tick, uh, where did they get to where they are in their lives, find mentors, um, and just socialize verbally, uh, you know, who you are, what you're interested in, and why, how you're helping them, and where you're trying to get to. Next thing you know, you got more eyes and ears out there watching out for you, and things that turn into a position post, let me apply for it, start to turn into shoulder taps. Hey, I remember a conversation a year and a half ago. This was something that interested you. Are you still interested? So that's where I've kind of been that, you know, wait for it to happen or try to make it happen. Yeah, Mel. So, man, Michael, a lot there. It's super, uh, super interesting. And I, I go back to just my own take on watching Southwest lean in during this pandemic. And, you know, at ReliQuest, we were, uh, those decisions, those play to win decisions are pretty lonely decisions, right? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> uh, you know, there are a couple of times, whether it's our, our focus on in the middle of the pandemic, deciding to go ahead and raise capital, um, leaning in and, and, you know, and continuing to hire through our workforce. We really had a ton of uncertainty um, in our customer base, you know, just 
just as, as if our customers are going through pain from an economic perspective, well, then we've got to be there and we've got to show grace and we've got to work with customers. And, and we did that this past year to the tune of about, you know, seven, eight million dollars and in, in working through that. But knowing that, man, when everybody else is fearful, maybe that's time to be brave and lean in. And I can remember, you know, we're going through this capital raise process. We're leaning in on. Um, on hiring more people and we're, we're starting to double down. We're starting to know that there's be a beginning, middle and end of this thing and letting our healthcare prof professionals, you know, dictate what that looks like. And us, let's focus on as DMAC and I talk about a lot, controlling the controllables. And I can remember being in the middle of those decisions and you make these calls and you know, deep down, it's the right thing to do, but, but they're nerve wracking, right? I mean, there's, there's some pressure in those calls. There's some, you make that decision and then you spend the next, you know, a few days or a few weeks thinking, well, you know, and you're looking for something to validate your decision. And I can remember um, it was probably about a week after we decided to go ahead and raise capital, which everybody thought was a, a terrible idea at the time that we did it because they thought the markets would just be depleted and all the stock markets are down. And I, I learned from the you know, 07, 08, 09 crisis that it's never as good as you think and it's never as bad as you think. And that the people that are really forward thinking take advantage of those times. And so we we decided to move forward quickly. And it was about a week after we made that call that the first announcement about how Southwest was leaning in and taking on new gates. I think it might have been New Jersey or one of the locations you're taking on new gates. And I, just for me, I remember sitting back like, okay, it validated like, okay, I'm not the only one. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, so, you know, even a maverick, even, even that culture, you want to look to your right and look to your left and be like, I'm not the, I'm not the only one out on this trail. Right. You know? So um, it's kind of like being out in the boat in the small craft advisory, right? You get a little nervous when you don't see other boats. Right. But if you see other boats, then, well, maybe those waves aren't that big. So I, I, I appreciated that and, and I love the relationship building that you talk about in our career. So often we think that the thing that we do is all that matters, but you know, our, the, some of the best CISOs that we work with, and you're a prime example of this, um, is are the people that know how to communicate and articulate the outcome they're trying to get to. And they, they understand the problem, but they also understand that, you know, that that problem is not binary to their one function that it's impacted by east west across the organization that they've got to be able to work with groups and i think that's what you're talking about a building that reputation and building that engagement across the organization which i think you know for for everybody you know myself hearing it is is very helpful to understand so i, I appreciate you sharing that no absolutely brian you know it's it's um and i got to give credit i i you know early in my leadership career i read a book uh, patrick lencioni um, you know, love his books, but uh, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And there's a small tidbit in there. It's not the crux of the book, um, but it talks about team one. And that was a wake up call for me. You know, when I first moved into leadership, I was all about my direct team. I'm in the trenches with them. It's all about us. Almost kind of this, I wouldn't say combative, but it's like us against the rest of the organization when you're like, wait, we're all one team. And um, in, in Patrick Lencioni's book, he talks about um, that team one is like, no, your, your prioritized relationship is with you and your leadership peers. That if, if you all are not in lockstep, aligned on the mission, aligned on the cause, clarity and messaging, all you're going to do is breed confusion across all your teams. Um, well, cybersecurity says this, but marketing is saying that and storage and network is saying this. Um, so that relationship building you have to have with your leadership peers the ones that you, uh, you know, usually put the most pressure on to help you accomplish your mission and vice versa. 
if you're not investing in those relationships, uh, the, the, the greater good just won't be accomplished. So uh, very grateful for reading that book early in my career. But I, uh, you know, it was some hard lessons of when I would call up a leadership here and like, I need help. And they're like, who are you? And what do you need help with? It's like, cause I, I didn't invest in that relationship with him or her. That makes, that makes total sense. Hey, thanks for listening to part two of this three-part conversation with Southwest Airlines Chief Information Security Officer, Michael Simmons. Tune back in next week as we wrap up this insightful conversation. In part three, we'll be discussing handling pressure and adversity, how our mindset impacts performance, and how to prepare for game day. Again, thanks for listening and make it a great day.